Oh my god, what's up party people? Welcome to this week's episode of Romancing Nancy Drew. I'm your host, Indy Nickerson, which stands for Nancy Drew Nickerson. You can find me at that handle on Twitter, or you can find me at Romancing Nancy on Twitter. I also have a buy me a coffee thingy set up. Don't feel any compulsion to do anything. Seriously. I don't understand why anyone listens. It's fine. Except for you. you I know why you listen. <laughs> this week's episode is about the clue of the black keys. This is number 27 in the Nathan Cedar Mystery Stories. This one was published in 1951. So... 1951, the first Nancy Drew book was published in 1930, and let's just do a little bit of background information. You know, you know, I love it. Um, 1930 is when Nancy Drew originally came out, and Nancy Drew was invented by Edward Stratemeyer, who, of course, had a... I always pictured, like, 17 copy people in a room that were just banging out stuff on typewriters, but that is not at all how it was. I think they just contacted people via mail, and they were like, hey, do you feel like writing a Nancy Drew book? Which... Again, if we're doing like high fidelity top five dream jobs, all five of them would be Carolyn Keene, so it's fine. Um, yeah, they would just send in outlines to various ghostwriters who had proven themselves on other series, and, and then they would get the results back. Edward Stratemeyer did not actually live to see the success of Nancy Drew. His daughter Harriet is the one who basically took over for Nancy Drew, and in 1959, so we're not quite there yet, but we're kind of entering this transitional phase. In 1959... They decided to um, revise all the ones that had been published before 1959, practically. I think that um, everything that was published in 1959 and after, they never went back and actually revised it. So if you read anything from, like, Secret of Mirror Bay, if it was published in the 70s originally, then they have not gone back and touched it. So that's hilarious. But um, the number of technological changes that had happened between 1930 and 1959, the number of social changes, um, everything about that, even though like the civil rights, civil rights was a thing, but it was not yet the thing that it was going to become. So it's kind of hilarious that they were like, let's, let's go back and tinker. And again, it didn't all happen in 1959. That's just when they started going back and revising and saying, maybe we should take out references to ice boxes. 1950, which is the one that we talked about last week, Nancy's finally 18, There's also some interesting stuff happening where Nancy is very much, I mean, I would not ever call Nancy specifically copaganda, but I can definitely see how it, she is copaganda adjacent. I can kind of understand that. We have a weird thing happening because we have Carson Drew, played by John Hamm always, who stands on behalf of the the victim, the person who is being accused of a crime, the person who is being accused of doing something. And he will also stand for somebody who says, you know, can you help me find out who originally owned this boat? Because dangle a mystery in front of Carson. He's like, sign me up, go ahead and roofie me up and hide me in a warehouse somewhere. It's fine. Let's do this. I'm game. I just need to be back for court in the morning. Like some sort of weird role play that he's got going on in his head. Um, so yeah, Nancy's never like completely aligned with the cops, although it's very easy to imagine that if you were going to do a modern Nancy Drew show, which the failed pilot was basically, um, where mm, she wasn't actually working for the cops, but there was a lot of like being associated with cops and you can imagine her being a secret agent for the government. You can imagine her being a, a police detective. You can, that's, that's really easy to do in this book. We're we're falling into this interesting thing that happens in from this point on. Honestly, it happens a lot in the mystery stories where Nancy is told about a not something that's like a family heirloom because that happens a lot in the early books where it's like, oh, well, you know, my son wrote music and I think that the music would be super popular if we could just find the sheet music and basically prove that it's ours. Somebody's stealing it. So ownership over a specific thing that a family does actually have claim to. Yeah. Um, ownership of a thing that somebody discovered, um, some sort of chemical formula, some sort of invention, something like that. Those were early books. Those were, you know, somebody has a claim to this. It makes sense for them to. It's not something that they discovered that's not theirs. Black Keys is somebody is seeking to discover something that is 100% not theirs. Like, it's it's not anything that anybody can lay claim to. It is something that belongs in a museum to be all Indiana Jones up in here. 
So, and also, Nancy's coming into this, like, extremely late, if you want to put it that way. Like, everybody has done all the legwork. It's like somebody has finished 85% of the video game, and then Nancy comes in and she's like, okay, so I have to do boss-level shit? And they're like, yes, you're going to be doing boss-level shit. We have knocked out all the minions. We can tell you where the thing is. It is inside this fortress. We're going to have to fight our way past some people, and it's going to be super weird. Side note. Last week, I did not record because, oh my god, I don't know what is going on with my upper respiratory, but even the scary psychotic cough drops that look like industrial accidents or like some suckers for hellhounds, even that is not managing to kick this shit, so... I apologize for the fact that I sound like I'm talking from behind a comforter, possibly. So, um, the transitional period. So, Nancy's 18. Nancy's doing a lot of work for people who are, again, not really necessarily looking out for their own individual interests, looking out for the fact that they've been disenfranchised by some sort of other, like an evil corporation, conglomerate. There's a lot of individuals who are acting on their own behalf who seem to be just villains, like straight up villains. Like they don't seem to have any sort of altruistic motives. It's very clear that, you know, based on their complexions, because we got a lot of swarthy people that Nancy's like, "Mm, not feeling good about this. Just just a gut feel. And you're like, it's called racism, honey. It's called racism. Um, There's a lot of that happening. And so for this book specifically, um, and last time I misremembered, I do not know why my brain was like Dr. Bradley Pitt. I don't know if it was just writing some fanfic at the time. I don't know. But I have decided, because the central character in this, there is indeed a Dr. Pitt, but his first name is Joshua in both the original and the revision. I was like, maybe I was misremembering the revision. No, no, there, it's both Joshua. They, they settled on Joshua for it, and who can blame them? It's a evergreen name. So there is no Bradley. But for the purposes of this episode, the central character is Terrence Scott, who goes by Terry, because of course he does. And what I want you to picture him as, because of course Carson Drew is always played by John Hamm, Bradley Cooper. I was like, I need a himbo. And Bradley Cooper can pull that off like a motherfucker. So, and Terrence Scott is, oh my God, such a fucking himbo. So, so hot guy who is also an idiot. Mm, yeah. And that doesn't fit this description for me because, of course, he's on secret government projects 24-7. But anyway, so Nancy is, you know what? I don't have the book with me, so I'm going to just be making up a lot of shit. You know this about me. I mean, imagine that we've had a few drinks and I'm like, let me tell you this shit because that is basically the origin story for this podcast. So, So Nancy, of course, is like between mysteries, just hanging out, and she hears from her dad who was like, oh, so I've got a thing that came up. Because remember last week when I was getting really pissy over the fact that the dust jacket copy was like, Nancy often helps on her father's mysteries. And I was like, can we not though? But it happens again. Like, um, Carson is, oh, no, no. This is the fun thing about this one because Nancy does actually go to her dad and like, can you like fact check this shit? And he's like, let me get Snopes on this. Let's do this. Nancy is at the fucking airport with Bess, is how this fucker starts. Of course, this is pre-9-11, so they're not having to go through air, like, metal detectors. There's nobody just frisking their luggage willy-nilly. There's no lingerie going missing. I'm still, like, the mind is blown over that lingerie party in that one book. So many questions. Victoria's Secret did not yet exist. What, What was happening? Was it a lot of girdles? What's the sitch? Anyway, okay. So, um, Nancy and Bess are, they have just come back from New York, and they're feeling very cosmopolitan, and they're coming back to the River Heights airport, because, of course, River Heights is both a tiny town where Carson lives five minutes away from his fucking office, and big enough to host its own airport, like, and not, not just a tiny airport either. I thought it was hilarious that this also carries through to the files, where you're like, you're, you're like Chicago adjacent, and they're like, but we still need an airport for drug reasons, so... Nancy and Bess are at the airport. Um, this random dude approaches them and is like, are you Nancy Drew? And she's like, what? Like, I'm not wearing a name badge. What the fuck? What the literal fuck? And dude's like, I need to talk to you. And Nancy's like, everything about this is super fishy. I do admire the fact that she is immediately deeply suspicious. Because again, if you want to catch Nancy in a box trap, just put something with a picture of a magnifying glass and a clue on it. And she's like, I'm thinking about it. I'm not saying I'm going to do it, but I'm thinking about it. This guy walks up and he's like, I have have something that desperately needs your attention. And Nancy's like, 
who are you again? Do you have ID on you? And he's like, uh, yeah, I've got ID. Nancy's like, you're going to need to show it to me. What the fuck? So dude shows her his ID. He is Terrence Scott. So picture Bradley Cooper. I've never mentally cast Nancy. Like I've said before, Kennedy McMahon on the new show, like she does fine in terms of visual and in terms of the fact that she has fucking stomped on Ned's heart several thousand times. Like that show is dead to me. But whoever you want to picture for Nancy here. If you're like a young Laura Lenny, I who has actually um, narrated some of the audiobooks. That's why her name popped in my head. Anyway, whoever you want to picture here is Nancy. She's 18. She is fancy-free. She is just living it up and on her way back from New York, possibly rocking an awesome hat. Who is to say? So she's sitting there talking to Himbo. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Anyway, Terrence Scott again, but Bradley Cooper. Just picture Bradley Cooper. But not, like, not current Bradley Cooper. Picture, like alias level Bradley Cooper when he was but a toddler but an apple-cheeked toddler so he's sitting there with Nancy and he's like I need your help I have a thing that is happening and I am a college professor Nancy's like bullshit you're like 12 anyway (laughs) so he's sitting there talking to her and he's like okay there is a mystery in Mexico and Nancy's like of course there is it is Mexico I am sure it is full of mysteries what the fuck Bradley Cooper was on a an expedition with two other archaeologists because Bradley Cooper is an archaeologist for the purposes of this film. Picture him in a safari or explorer hat, if you wish. Picture him in a backwards ball cap. That he can also rock that. It's fine. What a pirate hat. He's got it. Hooks. It's fine. He went on an expedition with two guys. One was Joshua Pitt. Yes. Do you want to picture Brad Pitt here? You 100% can. It's fine. I'm not going to stop you. He does not pop him into very late in the book. So you can hold off on mentally casting him if you wish. It's fine. And the other guy, I don't fucking remember his name, but he is a grouchy pants. So I'm just going to call him grouchy pants. So grouchy pants, Bradley Cooper, and quasi Brad Pitt, older Brad Pitt, Dr. Fauci Brad Pitt. Yeah, do that combo. Um, are in Mexico, and they are searching for a treasure. Terrence Bradley Cooper um, eventually reveals more about this treasure to Nancy, but he's basically telling Nancy that he he needs to find Dr. Pitt is the real thing. He thinks that Dr. Pitt knows where the treasure is, and he needs to recover him because he was kidnapped. Except for Grouchy Pants doesn't believe that. Grouchy Pants is like, he just, he just had a thing. I don't know. Maybe he got a message. I, I don't know. He's whatever, whatever. So, Grouchy Pants refuses to go look for him. Terrence, Bradley Cooper, who is, again, 12, is like, I'm going to go find him. And Nancy's like, again, you're 12. Um, what? A, do you know anything? Anything at all? And Bradley Cooper's like, mm, well, I know that the stone tablet that we had just lo- located is missing. I know that there was a shifty guy named Juarez Tino. That stuck in my head. His name is Juarez, space, capital Tino. I was like, of course it is. Of course it is. Is that his nickname? No, fuck you. Like, who the fuck knows? Anyway, so he knows that Juarez Tino was hanging around and asking questions and was like, oh, we are also doing archaeology with random equipment. I don't know. What do you know about your dick site? Like, just being super, super shady. Also, he has a wife named Mrs. Juarez Tino. And you're like, of course. Of course, that's her name. Um, Who also, she's very brassy, is the way that Bradley Cooper describes her. And I'm like... Is she a symbol? What? Elaborate, please. Does she have dyed hair? Like, was there an accident? Tell me. Tell me more. Anyway, so anyway, this tablet that they found, which gives the location of the frog treasure, and you're like, could you not have come up with a more badass name? Frog treasure. Frog treasure. This sounds like something that you would find on Super Mario World, but it wouldn't even be like the real thing. It would be like maybe a side quest. Frog treasure. You're like, is it full of frogs? So many questions. Um, they wanted to find this, which Terry's like, it's an incredible thing. And I, we don't know what it is, though. We, we don't know. We found a stone tablet and it had some pictures on it and then it was gone. And who the fuck knows? And you're like, did you not watch Indiana Jones and the, the Last Crusade? You need to get out some paper and some crayons and make a rubbing. Like very quickly before the rats overcome you. But y'all didn't do that. You were like, you know what? I'm beat. I'm going to turn in for the night. I'm sure that no shifty character who's been hanging out around our dig site is going to come maybe get this. I'm sure it's going to be fine. I'm sure. I'm going to have a martini. It's fine. So, um, Terrence is like, I need your help. Um, There were three keys that were attached to the stone tablet. 
by a little ring. It's like the biggest, stupidest key ring you can ever imagine. And Terry found half of one key, like the the key part. And you're like, don't you? No, the the teeth part, the, the bottom part, the lock part, not the head part, the important part. He found that. And he shows it to Nancy, and Nancy's like, again, they're at a fucking airport, okay? They're at a fucking airport. Nancy's like, are you sure you should be showing me this shit? And he's like, well, I, I just wanted to show you that I've, I've got the, I mean, I'm, and Nancy's like, I haven't even said I'm going to take your damn case. Like, oh my God. And she also sends Bess on because she's like, Bess, just, just go do you. Like, Bess had a thing, like, maybe to get her hair done, IDK. So Nancy's like, go ahead, I, I'm going to talk to Crazy Pants, it's fine. Bradley Cooper, who is going to just open his trench coat and show me all sorts of trinkets, and I'm sure this is fine. Um, and then she's Nancy says, oh, well, have you talked to Grumpy Pants recently? Grouchy Pants. Oscar the Grouch. Have you talked to him recently to find out if he's heard from Dr. Brad Pitt? And he's like, you know what? I haven't. Let me, let me go do that right now. He leaves his coat next to Nancy, his trench coat full of trinkets. He leaves it next to Nancy and he goes to a payphone. And Nancy's just sitting there like, this feels like the biggest fucking setup. Like somebody wants me to go to Mexico and get stranded in the middle of fucking nowhere because that's the thing. Of course, it's always in the middle of fucking nowhere. It's always where there's not a lot of people around where like they found this undiscovered thing. So she's like, this all sounds super, super sketch. I, mm, this is all bad. When a guy walks up to Nancy and then, like, starts fondling the trench coat. And she's like, what the fuck? And the dude, like, runs off. And Nancy's like, I think that he got your fucking key. Because of he, Nancy does not want to accept this key. She does not want any part of this. This feels like, you know, something terrible. Is he a Nigerian prince? She doesn't know what's about to happen. So Terrence comes back, Bradley Cooper. And she's like, that that dude just came over and ran off, and I don't think he stole your key, and I don't I don't know what the fuck's going on. And again, Nancy's like, "Is this just awesome massive setup to get me involved in this? Is this have they have they discovered my kryptonite, my catnip?" So, they of course run in pursuit. Um, this like loud gentleman is and um like dude who Nancy is pretty sure based on description is Juarez Tino because of course if you see anybody sketch he has to be involved in the mystery you're in he needs to drop some monogram cufflinks to be sure but so she sees him and they chase him to a car and he gets into a car with this guy who looks like a businessman they don't know so Nancy and Terrence Bradley Cooper get into the back of a cab and say follow that follow that car follow that car we don't know where they're going um, also, they stop a policeman and let him know what's going on. So I think that there's like a motorcycle cop also in this merry brand of idiots. Um, they chase the dude who pull who like goes around in a circle and then pulls off onto the fucking runway and like plays chicken with a, a fucking plane that's about to take off. And Nancy's like, what the fuck are they doing? And Terrence is like, this is terrible. And so they lose sight of the car and they're like, did it just get smashed to smithereens? Like, what the fuck just happened? The cop goes over and is like, oh, oh, no, no, the the car's empty now. They they abandoned the car. The plane did not hit the car. They're, they're out here somewhere. So they locate the businessman who was driving the car, who, of course, is the kind of guy who's going to be wearing a hat, looking sweaty, and also like he's not trustworthy. So he's like, I am a respectable businessman, and that man just asked for a ride from me. And Nancy's like, then why the fuck did you go on the runway? And he was like, IDK, I mean, I don't know what's happening here. You are a terrible person. And Nancy's like, what the fuck are you talking about? He's like, you're accusing me of stealing something, and I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Anyway, they're going back and forth, and the cop's like, I don't know what the fuck's going on here. When he's like... Like, the guy's accusing Nancy of just being a terrible person. When Bess and George come up out of the crowd, because you're like, Bess had the quickest hair appointment on earth and went to go see George and was like, I think Nancy's in some trouble. Let's go check it out. And you're like, how how long has this been going on? How the fuck long has this been going on? Bess and George walk up and they're like, we can vouch for her. She is um, amazing. She is an amazing paragon of virtue. And you are garbage. What are you doing? So, I think he says his name is Horace. I don't fucking know. Or care. It's fine. They, they make up series of aliases for this entire show thing. Um, so I think he says his name is Horace. He says that he works for like the Tropical Sunfruit Company out of Florida. And Nancy's like, sure you do, honey. Sure you do. Yeah, that's that sounds completely plausible. It's fine. Um, but the guy gets away. Juarez Tino gets away. 
Nancy's like, you know, I want to, there's no reason to press charges specifically other than the fact that he was behaving like a complete idiot on the runway in front of a plane. Like, anyway. Um, so Nancy looks at Terry and she's like, do we know for sure that that dude stole the key? And Terry's like, I can't find the key. And I don't, I mean, I checked my pockets, I checked everything. And Nancy's like, hang on. She goes back to the fucking bench they were sitting on, which has slats in it. And she looks through the slats and she's like, uh, I just found the key. So you're like, that was all just fucking bullshit. They were just chasing these people, like, just based on suspicious activity. Just based on racial profiling. They just were like, I, I, he looks like he stole a key. He looks like he stole half a key, a key that was made out of obsidian rock. Uh, which, I mean, that does sound kind of badass. I will give them that. A key made out of obsidian. You're doing some shit right. So Nancy, as any 18-year-old up-and-coming amateur detective would do, goes home and is like, so, Dad, um, I've picked up this groupie who he's 12. His name is Bradley Cooper. And he's got half a key. And he wants me to go to Mexico with him. And Carson's like, everything about that sounds terrible. Have you called his institution to make sure that he's actually employed there? And Nancy's like, that's a good thought. Maybe, maybe we should check all these people out. Maybe we should just go on a little tour and check all of them out. So, that's what they set out to do. Um, the next day, Nancy leaves. Um, she finds out that I think I think this is Terry. Um, he has a, I think it's no, I don't know. One of these idiots has a young daughter and wife, and has been working at, at his institution for like two years. The weird thing is that all of these professors work at different institutions, and apparently all just joined together because they were deeply interested in this frog treasure. Like they, they all wanted to take a hot trip to Mexico maybe, you know, get a light sunburn because they're nerds and wanted to track down a frog treasure. It's like they found out about this Mario side quest and it was like catnip to them. They just, they just could not stand it. So she calls, they actually go to the institution. They're like, yeah, he's employed here. He's on sabbatical because he's looking for like a frog treasure. And Nancy's like, that all checks out. Okay. Um, they call another one. They go by and see grumpy pants who was like, I bet that Terry said that he discovered the treasure and Nancy's like, uh, no, he actually said that Dr. Pitt discovered the treasure. And he was like, I bet he has that key too. And Nancy's like, I'm, I can neither confirm nor deny. And he's like, I bet he's saying that it's his. And Nancy's like, no, he, he's saying that it was recovered from what Dr. Pitt found. Like, what the fuck is going on with you? And he was like, whippersnappers. Like, he is 100% grouchy pants. He's Oscar the Grouch it up all over the place. And he, he eventually warms up to Nancy, but he's like, academics. And I'm like, I mean, I get your frustration. You're not wrong. Also, you didn't even discover the fucking treasure. You just discovered a stone tablet that may or may not tell you where the fucking treasure is. So I understand it. Your frustration is noted. Oh, my God. So the thing is that when Bess first sees Terry, because remember, she comes upon Nancy when, like, all that stuff's going on. And she's like, so you mean your new boy toy? And Nancy's like, what the fuck? No. No, Ned. And Bess is like, mm-hmm, he's, he's making eyes at you, girl. Like, there's a lot of this book where Bess and George and Nancy are all in proximity to Terry because he is like a puppy dog. He is always following them around, trying to persuade Nancy that, yes, she wants to find out the mystery of this black key. And you're like, mm, is it a metaphor, though? It's broken. It's a broken black key. Um, Anyway, Bess is, like, 100% down for this. She's like, hey, baby, hey. So this is why I think that he is not the married one. But anyway, um, mm, yes. George is also, like, I would hit that. I would totally hit that. Because I think that George is equal opportunity, really. I think that she prefers girls, but she is open to experimentation with hot, nerdy, Bradley Cooper-type professors. So... Anyway, um, Nancy talks to her dad, who eventually is like, okay, I think he checks. I mean, I need to run some IRS checks as well. I mean, I'm just saying. We, we can never be safe enough, but... So, Nancy's talking to Terry, and she finds out there are two things that happen during this part of the book. The first is that um, Terry's going to be giving a talk at Emerson. Emerson is a hub of learning. Everyone goes to fucking Emerson, and that's why Ned is there. Because so many people come there for learning reasons. And he's like, yes. I s I I'm going to write the weirdest fucking fanfic about whatever Ned is doing at Emerson 30 years later. 
because holy shit. Anyway, so Ned actually calls up Nancy and he's like, hey, so there's this guy who's going to be coming, like, you're supposed to come visit. There's this guy who's coming for a talk. And I mean, maybe you can stop by and pick him up on the way, IDK. Like, he's this old dude. I think he's going to be have, like, long hair and be completely ridiculous. So I'm sure it'll be boring. But, you know, if you could do me a solid. And Nancy's like, oh, I can do you a solid. All right, hon. And like, she is, she's like, this is going to be the most hilarious joke because as everyone on earth knows, Ned is a jealous boyfriend slash husband slash significant other. So he ain't going to be fond of this. It's fine. He's picturing like a, a 60s hippie, which again, this is 1951. What the fuck? Anyway, it's fine. Um, so he's like, yeah, just, just give him a ride up here. It'll be fine. Um, we're going to have a, a dinner party actually at the Omega house. And I'm like, you know, you are, cause y'all are going to be ta- taking some quaaludes or possibly some ketamine. And we're just going to see what plays out. We're just going to see what happens and not record any of it for reasons. So, um, Nancy decides that she's going to take Terry up there. And on the way, I think that she has not yet decided that she's officially going to take on the case. She's like, I mean, you can still talk to me about it, though. It's like, it's not legally binding. And Terry's like, sure, hon. So, they're in the car. Um, they stop somewhere to get some food. And then somebody ahead of them pulls a detour sign off the road so that they run smack into, like, some construction. That, of course, because it's River Heights. And people are always repairing the road because, holy shit. Nancy's been in books where the road legit washed out. Like, this is, I think, when paving was just a novelty that the teens might enjoy. But anyway, so somebody pulls off the detour sign. They run into, like, a ditch. Like, they run headfirst into a fucking ditch. And um, a couple pulls over, and they're like, are you okay? And Nancy's like, we just need a tow truck. So the couple goes to the next town, sends back a tow truck, sends back a cop, of course. Um, they don't know who did it, but they're pretty sure that somebody clearly did it because Terry finds the sign that's like, you know, five feet away that somebody clearly just took away and obscured. So they're like, oh, okay. And they're fine. They're like just, you know, bruised up a little bit because they made cars to last back then, bitch. So they get to Emerson and Ned's like, what, what happened? And Nancy's like, we were in a minor car accident. And Ned's like, oh, is the old dude okay? And Nancy's like, yeah, he's, he's fine. He, he bounced right back. We, we had a good time. It's fine. Um, so Ned, of course, has no idea. And then he shows up for the talk the next day. Because remember, it's the frog treasure. And apparently Terry is just super excited about frogs because the, oh my God. I mean, it reminded me of the Newts thing and the Jeeves and Wodehouse book, the Jeeves Wodehouse books. It's fine. Um, it just reminded me of that, like his nerdiness over Newts, Gussie Fink Nozzle. Except for that's not his name. That's just the way that he always misremembers his name. Um, yeah. He's such a fucking nerd about it. And when Ned contacted Nancy to get him to come, he was like, yeah, so he's tell him to bring his jade frog. And Nancy's like, is that a euphemism or a metaphor? Does he have like a, a suitcase full of ketamine? What's happening? But no. And Terry's like, oh, yeah, I had this really awesome jade frog, but um, a museum contacted me and wanted to buy it. And so I gave it to them. It's fine. I just like collecting frog artifacts like Indiana Jones, but the person who collects them to give them to museums. Um, I'm a good person. And you're like, but but you're kind of not. It's fine. He's just such a fucking pushover. We're going to get to it. Um, so yeah, Ned's with Nancy, they're having a good time, they go to the talk, Ned's mouth drops open when he sees who Terrence Scott is, he was not picturing Bradley Cooper, apple-cheeked, 12-year-old Bradley Cooper, and he's like, oh my god, him? And Nancy's like, we've gotten very close, this is Terry, and Ned's like, fucking hell, fuck, I can't, I cannot do anything, this is the worst. Anyway, but they have a fun date, it's fine. Um, Nancy takes Terry back to River Heights and she basically says, yeah, like I've, I've seen you talk about this. I've seen you talk about everything. Like my vibe is that you are both an idiot and genuine. So yeah, why not? I'll do what I can to help you. But she knows that her dad is not going to let her go to Mexico. Like, I don't know what happened in the past. I don't know what incident. I don't know if she's been like shadow banned from Mexico. I DDK. But Carson's like, no, girl, you are not going to Mexico with Terry, who is a dumbass. Like, he he can't protect you from shit. You're going to need to have people with you at all times. And Nancy's like, I mean, you're not wrong, because he is a dingbat. Um, in the meantime, while Nancy's trying to figure out how the fuck she's going to get to Mexico to try to track down Dr. Pitt, because the main thing is finding Dr. Pitt, but the side quest that is also associated with Dr. Pitt is then finding the frog treasure. So those are the two goals that she has in mind. Um... So Nancy is 
looking around trying to figure out how she's going to get there. Terry also is trying to find something to occupy his time because remember, he's on sabbatical. He has no classes to teach or frogs to track down. So he finds out that somebody nearby has a journal that was kept by somebody who apparently was in near or has some sort of lore or myth or something about the frog treasure. So he finds out about that. And Nancy's like, though, so somebody just contacted you because they happened to have the thing that you needed. And Terry's like, yeah, isn't it great? And Nancy's like, wow, you're 12. Like, oh my God, like 11, maybe you're just zero suspicion of anyone. So, um, she's like, so who has it? And he's like, uh, the Wangels. And Nancy's like, they are fucking swindlers. And Terry's like, but the diary's legit. And Nancy's like, this all sounds really bad. Don't go over there by yourself. And Terry's like, I won't, Mom. I mean, come on. It, it's fine. She, Nancy's like, just bring it back to your hotel with you. Like, don't don't stay there with them. Don't, uh-uh. And Terry's like, uh, okay. She doesn't want me to leave the house with it. Nancy's like, look, I've got a tiny camera for spy reasons. Take the tiny camera. If you notice anything in the book that you're like, I think this is going to be significant, take a picture of that page so that you'll have it. But I'm just saying, like, don't trust these motherfuckers. And Terry's like, I'm going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Um, Nancy has to leave town. I can't remember exactly why she has to leave town. There's one part in the book where she finds out that one of the guys who was involved in the archaeology dig, the initial one, is taking a class trip that's going to be to Florida. And she also finds out that... um, the remember the guy who said that he sold like tropical fruit in Florida she finds out that he's also involved in all this bullshit she's pretty sure that the Wangels are tied up with him or that he may be posing as one of them or some bullshit she has she's not sure but she finds a connection between the two so she's like okay if I can get to Florida Florida's close to Mexico so mm, and I, I need to track this dude down Carson, again, is like, you're not going to Florida by yourself. And Nancy's like, fuck. So she finds out about the class trip. She goes to the person who is leading it, Grouchy Pants. And she's like, hey, Grouchy Pants, cute pants. Can I go on your class trip? And he's like, this is a student trip. And Nancy's like, I'm student aged. And he's like, you're not a fucking student. Like, this is like a an extra credit sort of trip. And these students work their asses off to earn the right to come on this trip. Like it's, it's like, it's going to be really good for their resumes. They're all interested in this. It's going to be really good. I'm not going to just like shoehorn you in. And Nancy's like, so is there any way that you consider it? And he said, look, they're about to take a quiz. If they pass the quiz and they get to go, if they fail the quiz and they don't, it's on everything that we've covered so far in this class. If you take the quiz and you pass it, then I'll let you go. And Nancy's like, when's the quiz? And he's like, at 3 p.m. today. And Nancy's like, I'll be right back. (laughs) She legit goes to the fucking library, checks out. She goes to the library and is like, can you give me all the books that this instructor is using for this class? And she's like, bitch, I got you. And she just sets her up. And so Nancy goes, sits down and reads all the material that she can find about everything that he's going over in his class, including like the native peoples of Florida and indigenous um, who came through, all that stuff, uh, everything about like technology, their societies, everything about that. So she goes through, reads all of it, and is like, okay, okay. Um, she sits down to take the quiz. There's one question that she looks at, and she's like, I don't fucking hell, fucking hell. I don't, I don't know anything about that. So she has to leave it blank. There's a question about obsidian, which, of course, since she was discussing it with Terry, she's, she remembers shit about that. Um, so she's like, I think I rocked it other than that one question. And if he sees that I had zero answer to it, I don't know if he's going to be a total dick about this. She goes back to spend time with the other students in the class who were like, Hey girl, if you can pass this, we, we are completely happy to have you along if you can pass this fucking quiz because you know, clearly you're smart. Um, but he's not going to post the scores until the next day. So Nancy hangs out with them, goes home. Um, she finds out the next day that, yes, she did pass. So, yes, she does. And you're like, of course she fucking did. Of course she would cram for, like, three hours and ace a, almost ace a quiz that everybody else in the class was like, oh, my God, I don't know if I passed. You're like, of course she did. Of course she did. She is magical. Nancy Joe is magical. Um, but she's also found out that, remember how Terry was translating that diary for some sketch people? Terry's missing. Terry did not come back to his hotel. Like, she calls the hotel to see how he's doing. And they're like, yeah, he's not here. And Nancy's like, did he check out? And they go, no, he's just not here. He just, he was, he went away a few days ago and he has not been back. And Nancy's like, 
Sure. That's fabulous. So she goes to his, um, he, they let her into his room. He, she finds his notes. She finds a bunch of stuff that he had written down about, um, like the, the tablet that they found, some drawings that they had found related to it, all this stuff. So she finds that she makes tracings. She's trying to figure out what's going on. She's also like, I don't know what the fuck to do. So she decides to go out to the Wayne Gell's house, which is on the edge of River Heights. Um, and when she knocks at the door, the people there are like, we don't know who you're talking about. Go away. Um, and then like 30 minutes later, they're packing bags and leaving. And so Nancy calls the cops because she's like, I don't, I don't know what the fuck else to do. Like he's, I feel like he's here. She thinks that she sees like a, a white handkerchief in the attic area, like the attic vent thing. Like she thinks that she, she sees that. And she's like, is he here? Like, is he captive upstairs? What the fuck? Um, the next door neighbor's like, those people are dicks and they have never been friendly and they do not enjoy our block parties. And this is also a house that is rented out furnished. And Nancy's like, what the fuck? Like, holy shit. Yeah, they've left. Of course they've left. Um, so, the cops managed to gain entry to the house. I don't remember what flimsy fucking pretext they used to do so. They get inside, they go, they search the house, they go upstairs, and Nancy's like, if the, the handkerchief is now gone, she's like, if there was a handkerchief, it would have been over in this area. So they managed to locate, like, an attic storage space that has a lock with a fucking key on it, and you're like, this is not a thing that people normally do. You do not lock your shit into your attic unless you are planning for that shit to be a human being. Um, so Nancy unlocks it. She goes in there and she sees Terry, like, who is a corpse almost, is just like desiccated and is like, I haven't had food or water in like three days and like faints at her feet. And she's like, what the fuck? Um, one of the police officers has smelling salts. That's a thing that was happening a lot in like the, the, a lot of these books actually, like Nancy's revived by smelling salts. So one of the the police officer is like, I've got some naloxicam. Let's do it. And like, Terry's like, oh, oh, okay. They take him to the hospital. He's just dehydrated. Like they, um, he says that he, whenever he's finally able to talk to Nancy, he says that he was looking at the journal and he started feeling a little weird and they said they were going to help him. Um, they said that he said that he noticed there were some pages missing. They said, oh, we think they're upstairs. And so they managed to lure him into the attic and then they just locked him in there and they were going to leave him to die. That's a lot of the the way that it happens in these books. Like, on the one hand, it's like the least hands-on of deaths. So I get it. But also, it gives Nancy time to locate you if you have been abducted. It gives people time to locate Nancy if she's been abducted. But it's also, like, really fucking callous. And I like it as a, a social commentary, really. Like, we're not actually going to cause your death. We're just going to cause your body to kill you. But we're going to make damn sure that we do that. So just saying, just saying. It's fine. So, um, Nancy, Terry's like, Terry goes to the hospital, like, the next day. He's like, okay, well, I'm going to Mexico. And Nancy's like, what the, you just got out of a fucking attic. What the fuck? And Terry's like, I've got to find Dr. Pitt. I've got to find him. They took the journal with him. I have been translating it. They've got clues. I need to find him. And Nancy's like, oh, okay, okay. So, she goes to Cranky Pants, and she's like, Cranky Pants. Bradley Cooper is saying that he's going to go find Dr. Pitt. And Cranky Pants is like, he is a toddler. Let's, let's go. Let's just fucking go. Get, get on the plane. Get on the plane. So they go to Florida. Of course, they go to Florida. Um, Nancy has made best friends with Fran, whose brother or cousin or someone she fucking knows in Florida has a fucking speedboat. And Nancy's like, that's great. Because when she was looking through Terry's stuff, she found a reference to a literal black key. And then she finds out about the Florida Keys as well. So she's like, oh, so Black Key may not actually be key. And so actually, when it, when they're talking, they're doing their little tours of Florida and everything. Um, by the way, the plane almost gets fucking knocked out of the sky because somebody, like, but, like, does one of the, almost runs into them during their trajectory, like that thing. Like, somebody clearly tries to run her off the road, but she's in the sky. So they have to make an emergency landing. Um, of course, she figures out later that it's the villains of the piece. It's always the villains of the piece. Oh, my God. And they just happened to know exactly where a plane was going to be for reasons. Cool. Anyway, um, Nancy's talking to somebody, and they're talking about the Florida Keys and how key was the word for island in the native language and how it was actually spelled this way, but when spoken aloud, it sounded a lot like the word key. And so that's 
like Kaya, I think is how it came out. And Nancy's like, oh, huh, huh, okay. So is there one called the Black Key? And they were like, mm, no, but a bunch of them like kind of have informal names. And also they shift over time and some kind of erode and some come, kind of come back out again. So it's not like there's ever any really dependable map of these things. And Nancy's like, good to know. Good to know. Um, so she gets Fran and Fran's male relative um, to take her out on the speedboat, which the, like, they get attacked one time when they go out. Like, somebody tries to basically knock them down, and it's, it's just real, real bad. And the grouchy pants is like, okay, from now on, you must have two men with you at all times. And Nancy's like, sure, fuck you. So they end up going out with Fran's male relative and his friend anyway and you're like which statistically are far more likely to attack them but it's fine so they go out on the speedboat they find they talk to a sailor who's like oh well maybe over here nancy found a slip of paper when somebody oh i forgot about that somebody broke into nancy's fucking house because they were looking for the key because at one point terry is telling nancy that he's feeling like she's the better protector of the key because um, Terry's had his hotel room broken into and all of his not- notes gone through. He's had, like, he's been, uh, there was a period where he, like, felt really bad for 12 hours and he's pretty sure it was drugged at that point. Like, these people are out for blood. So Terry's like, I'm going to leave this with you because your house is more secure. However, and despite the fact that the Drew house has a safe, like, that's canon, that there is a fucking safe in there, Nancy almost never uses it. And she just puts shit into her lingerie drawer, like, at all times. Um, she comes back from something, and uh, Hannah's like, I hear something upstairs. And they go upstairs, and of course, Juarez Tino's in Nancy's fucking room, just browsing through her lingerie drawer, as one does, and comes out with the key. Um Nancy comes in and is like, stop, and she tries to attack him, but she's got, like, nothing, and she's a a tiny wisp of a girl, so she doesn't manage to overpower him, and he, like, laughs at her and basically wraps her up in a blanket and shoves her into her dad's bed so that he can escape. She gets out, and she's like, I don't, maybe, maybe he doesn't have the key, and George has come over at that point because she found out that Nancy was going through some shit, as Nancy always is, and George is like, maybe the key, when he was trying to, like, basically wrap you up in that blanket, maybe he lost his grip on the key. So they actually find the key in the folds of the blanket, so that's fun. Around that point is when Nancy's like, I'm going to put it on a fucking necklace around my neck so that I've always got it with me. And I'm like, I don't know that I would want a sharp piece of obsidian tied around me near my boobs, but you do you, girl. It's fine. So, um, yeah, Nancy's been attacked by these people before. Um, and she also, whenever she went to investigate and see if anything happened um, with the, the people who left, the swindlers who had, like, pretended that they were art they pretended they were into art and then they had some genuine pieces and it turned out they were selling like very realistic, the copies that students make that are not considered forgeries. They're like you trying to hone your craft. But if somebody tries to sell it to you, then they'd be like, oh my God, that looks like the real thing. And yeah, anyway, it was that level of where it wasn't somebody intentionally forging. It was just them passing it off as the original. Anyway, so um, all that's been going on. Um, she found a note that said like 5X7 plus 1, something like that. And she was like, well, I don't know what the fuck this is referring to. And then she says to somebody, is there any place that has like a group of five islands and then a group of seven islands and then like one off by itself? And so the sailor they're talking to is like, yeah, yeah, there is a place like that. So he directs them on how to get to it. When they get out there, they find that it looks like a deserted island, but when they come on, on the shore a little bit, they see that there are signs of activity, and there's a little shack. And so Nancy's like, okay, Fran and... I can't remember who the fuck they sent back. But anyway, they sent somebody back to go flag down the cops. They're like, we think we found the place. This, this seems like a good place. So they sent somebody back with a boat. Um, they go into the cabin, and they find Dr. Brad Pitt. Joshua Pitt. They find him, and he's like, oh, my God, you're here. And Nancy's like, yeah. And remember, Terry is, who the fuck knows where? Uh, he's in Mexico. Just randomly in Mexico. Just trying to avoid getting dysentery. We don't know. Um, so they walk in, and Dr. Pitt's like, oh, my God, you're here. And, and I know the, the tablet is also here. It's been buried in, in the sand on the beach. Like, it's a pirate treasure. And Nancy's like, fuck, yeah. And then, of course, Juarez Tino and Mrs. Tino walk in, and they're like, fuck! So, here's what happens. Mrs. Tino has a torture bracelet. And I was like, first off, I've read a lot of really weird fanfic. Is it legit a torture bracelet? 
kind of and also kind of not. Like, you're picturing, like, does it have electricity? Is it like a taser bracelet? Is it, like, imbued with strange magical powers? The answer is no. It's a chain link bracelet. It's just, like, a, you know, a, it could be a charm bracelet. And basically, all she does is, like, put something through a link and twist it. And that is the way it tortures. And you're like, you ain't wrong. But also, like just referring to it as a torture bracelet i'm like you got a lot of weird stuff going on in your personal life that maybe you should talk through with a therapist but it's fine so they put the torture bracelet on nancy which again until once begins said torture is just a fucking bracelet and they're talking to dr pitt and they're like we will torture her if you don't talk because before they were like we will deprive you of food and water or whatever the fuck and he was like do your worst and now they're they're threatening nancy and so of course he's like oh i'll tell you anything you want to know so they actually end up separating them. So they send Dr. Pitt ahead and they keep Nancy and the other captives that they have at this point back. And I can't remember if, if Terry becomes part of their group at this point or not, because it's, it's very close to the end. Everything's very rapid. So, um, the cops show up, um, they liberate Nancy from her captors, but of course, Dr. Pitt does not know that Nancy's been liberated from her captors. So whenever they're like, you gotta keep going or Nancy's gonna get it. He's like, oh shit. Okay. He doesn't know. So Nancy takes the cops to the last place that they're pretty sure, like, there was, they overheard them talking about going to this one specific place. There is one woman who is involved in the group who is, like, the wife of the forgery couple who is related to Mrs. Tino by marriage. I don't fuck it. It, all, all the criminals, like, if there was a family tree and Nancy Drew, like, all of them would be distantly related. I just need you to know that. Like, they seem to be very deeply set on the idea of, like, genetic crime. Of course. Um, but anyway, so, yeah, she, she, like, turns on him. And she's like, yeah, I, I never wanted to be part of this. I didn't, I didn't feel good about torturing. And Nancy's like, that's a point in your favor. Um, so they say, okay, well, we're going to this one particular place in Mexico. By the time they get there, they moved on, but they, they find out enough about where they're going. And of course, um, Cranky Pants, who has joined back up, Grouchy Pants, who has joined back up with the company at this point, he had somebody, <laughs> he was like, call the University of Florida and have someone take my place. I have Mexico things to do. So he, he, you know, stomps off into the sunset with his cape on. He's like, all right, let's do this. So they get out there, they have recovered the, they've got the tablet, they've got the keys, they go out there. Um, the thing is that Dr. Pitt is not sure if the treasure is going to be terrible. He's looked at everything and it looks like there's a picture of the sun and a picture of a guy who's laying on the ground and a picture of water. And he's, the way he's interpreting the symbols is that it could like destroy mankind. Nancy looks at the symbols and she's, she's managed to put them together in a few different ways. And she's like, okay, so I think the clues are saying that we need to look for a tree that is near a lake with this description. Um, there's like a, a palm tree that may have been split down the middle. So she puts the pictures all together and she's like, but I also don't think that this is, that they were warning us that this was something incredibly deadly. I think that they were saying instead that it could be something that is very beneficial to somebody's health. And you're like, of course, as you will remember, the mysterious doll that she was trying to recover in Clue in the old album also had some sort of mysterious life giving slash radioactive properties that like after that book, we are never going to discuss it again. Oh, God, that's what Ned's here for. Ned is finding out about all these weird, mysterious artifacts, and he's having to keep an eye on Nancy so that they don't accidentally destroy the world. That's that's what all this is about. I finally figured it out. It's, it's taken me so long. It's taken years of my life, but I finally got it. Okay, so um, the frog treasure. They, of course, like overpower Juarez Tino almost immediately, uh, along with Horace, the fake fruit seller. There was never a fruit seller. There was never a fruit seller. He is real. That was all a lie. Um, so they find the place where the frog treasure is based on the clues that Nancy found and that were come that were from the pictures from the stone tablet. Um, they find that. They dig it up. It, it takes them all to actually dig it up. They find a very unique box that all the keys are made to fit. Um, they managed to use the, the broken key as well because the other two intact keys were still attached to the tablet. So they open it up. They find several frogs inside and then some interesting powder that immediately, I think that somehow the Secret Service has almost immediately joined up with the group and they're like, we'll take this. And Nancy's like, um, I feel like maybe it belongs to the Mexican authorities. I'm, I'm just saying, and they're like, we have to go check it out. And like, that's it. They found Dr. Pitt. 
and they found the treasure and nancy also gets to keep i'm pretty sure like one of the frogs from the treasure because they're like not as important as this mysterious green powder so yeah it was all really weird like the fact that like all the legwork had basically been done before nancy walked into it nancy walks in at like end game time where they're like okay they've abducted the scientists they have all the clues they need to get there we just need to beat them to the treasure and you're like sure also she's really good at taking quizzes at the spur of the moment and cramming for them and just mind reading teachers who are also grumpy pants um and then we have the dumbest uh, I guess I guess I should be more charitable about Bradley Cooper, tiny little toddler Bradley Cooper with his apple cheeks, who like basically who fell for this shit after Nancy warned him repeatedly and was like, "Do not stay there. Don't if don't let them offer you f-. like she legit says, "Do not let them offer you food or water. Like do not accept it." And he still is like, "Oh, the attic. That sounds perfect." And just goes up there. And like if Nancy had not seen that little like white handkerchief hanging out of that vent, what you would be dead, mister. One of the get, the neighbors who comes over when like all this fracas is going on cuz I think the cops like legit like bust down the door with some fucking axes. One of the neighbors who comes over is like, "Oh, I I think I heard somebody saying help the other night." And Nancy's like, "What the fuck?" And the neighbor's like, "I just saw maybe it was on the radio." And you're like, this this was the inspiration for the kitty genovese case you dip shits where you were like i mean somebody said help but maybe it was the beatles we do not know that is anachronistic this would not have been the beatles anyway yes so what have we learned absolutely nothing if you are in a pinch you can use a bracelet to torture somebody i mean if you are if you have a mind for that kind of thing it's such a very personal thing to take somebody's bracelet and basically use it to cut off the circulation of their wrist like that's that's pretty fucked up also just leave people in your attic crawl space they're they're not smart enough to get out of it like especially apple cheek bradley cooper he's just he just ain't all here he's He's just wandering around. And I was like, and a day later, he's like, I'm going to go to Mexico. And you're like, are you sure that he's not still like fucking high on ketamine? Like, just check that shit out. Make sure he's okay. Um, let's see. Next week, you know what? I don't even fucking know what we're doing for next week. I think I looked it up and it is completely out of my head. Slash, this cold is just fucking with me. So anyway, we were going to pick up next week with probably the 1952 case honestly um we might be at ski jump territory which is all sorts of weird again i'm gonna just for a second we'll talk about the cover illustration which is nancy and two random dudes neither of whom look like brad pitt in a sort of jungle setting and we've got a lot of weird pastels happening we've also got a lot of like early 50s fashion happening because again this is i'm reading the original text for this 1951 so it's the the cover artist was no longer Russell H. Tandy, who I love. Um, I don't think that we had yet transitioned to Nappy. Nappy was like the nineteen seventies cover artist. But like I I don't love these. They're not as realistic, they're not as detailed. Um this is pre Nancy being turned into a redhead, so at least there's that. She's still blonde for these, but but yeah, it's just Mm. you do look at it and you have the sense of like a treasure and somebody uncovering something that's really important but you don't have this like personal sense of like her recovering something that's going to help like maybe people who live nearby people who lived in villages people who like were destitute and in need of some assistance like it's it's not that there's no there's no urgency to I'm going to find this long buried mostly forgotten treasure and just rest a little away from these swarthy people like because y'all don't need it. When you're like, really, what separates you from them other than the fact that they have a torture bracelet? Like, isn't, is that not what separates all of us from anybody else? So I guess that's the note that I'm going to leave you with this week. Just a real bummer. Torture bracelets. Torture bracelets. All right. Stay sleuthy, my friends.